It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We got a lot of good news to talk about. This is a time of year where, you know, everybody's festive. You want to be positive, optimistic, all that kind of stuff. Uh, last year going into the Outback Bowl, not really the case for Penn State with a seven and five record. And then they end up losing to Arkansas. But, this year, 10 and 2, going to the Rose Bowl, chance for a marquee signature victory. There's just so many good things going on around the program. We've also got signing day coming up this week. I'll get to that later on. But the word is momentum, uh, and Penn State certainly has a lot of it. Now, I'm going to tell you the best news I can give you of the offseason right now. It doesn't have anything to do with recruiting, doesn't have anything to do with getting somebody into the transfer portal or the fact that players are not opting out of the Rose Bowl. The the best news as of right now, I'm recording this late Saturday night, December 17th. As of right now, we think this should, should hold out. But the best news I can tell you about the Penn State football program for the offseason is, drum roll please, that it appears Manny Diaz will be back next season. Now, I don't think I'm exaggerating here. I don't think I'm overblowing this in any stretch. Maybe some of you might. Ah, Geiger, what's, he's one assistant coach. They bring in anybody. They'll do well defensively. They always do. No. I think Manny Diaz is really special. I think he is a, he was a really special hire, has done a tremendous job for Penn State, and I thought there was a very good chance that he would get another head coaching opportunity in early December once the regular season ended. Now, as it turns out, his name did come up reportedly as a finalist for the job at Florida Atlantic. That's interesting to me. And I'll, I'll explain more about that in just a minute. I want to talk about first about him coming back to Penn State and why it's so important. Because Manny Diaz... I think is is a major game changer for Penn State. Uh, I, I'd written a few weeks ago with, with Olu Fashionu announcing he's going to come back, that that was probably the best news of the offseason for Penn State. No, this tops it. Uh, if Manny Diaz isn't going to leave for a head coaching job, and again, it's December 17th, I don't, I don't think there would be an opening now. You would think if there was an opening that he would go after, it, it would have probably happened already. 
But Manny is such a difference maker, I believe, for the defensive side of the ball. Just the way Penn State played defense this year, the scheme, the style, the aggressiveness. Now, look, if you're an old school Penn State fan, you've seen Penn State play good defense for a long, long time. They've had excellent defensive players for a long, 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 long time. It's linebacker you for a reason. But I want you to, I want you to think to yourself, how often you've seen Penn State play this aggressively. That's the key word for me. It's not just that Penn State had a whole bunch of really good players on defense and they would rely on them, you know, bend but don't break in the red zone. They're not going to get in the end zone, that kind of thing. No, this defense this year has gone out and made plays. They get up in receivers' faces. They're good against the run and the pass, although they weren't against Michigan. That was a very different story. Michigan was just, uh, they, they just had a better overall game plan and better personnel than Penn State did. Aside from that, though, Penn State's defense did a really good job against pretty much everybody, even Ohio State, which was held to 16 points until early in the fourth quarter. And, I, man, I just give so much credit to Manny Diaz. I've, I've said for years that the best hire James Franklin has made at Penn State was Joe Moorhead. I think Joe Moorhead, when, when, when we look back on history, let's go 10, 20 years from now, there, there will be certain guys that came to Penn State that really made a significant difference. First and foremost, Bill O'Brien came in and saved the program from really going under. And then James Franklin has done a terrific job Early on, getting winning the Big Ten in 2016, couple-year hiccup. They've got it back going now. But I, I give so much credit to Joe Moorhead and James Franklin making that hire in 2016 as the offense coordinator. And then after a few weeks, yeah, a little bit of a slow start. They lost to Pitt, lost to Michigan. Once they got that thing rolling, though, man, that offense was really good and they had tremendous talent. But that was Joe Moorhead coming in with a new system that we really hadn't seen before hitting the home run with a lot of deep passes, James Franklin letting them do, letting Joe Moorhead do his job. I think that the Joe Moorhead hire is about as significant as we've seen at Penn State in the last 10 years. And I think James Franklin's second hire, second most important hire was Manny Diaz. Look, I have a lot of respect for Brent Pry. Uh, Brent is an outstanding, was an outstanding defensive coordinator. He's now at Virginia Tech as the head coach. And Brent did a really good job at Penn State. But Brent played that bend but don't break kind of style. They didn't go overly aggressively after the ball, forcing a lot of turnovers. And that was an issue. Manny Diaz does, man. You give Manny the players on defense. You give, especially in the secondary, when you've got the kind of secondary Penn State has had this year with Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown, it just allows... So many, cause they can, they can shut down the passing game and it allows so many other things for those guys in the front seven to be able to do. So to me, if indeed Manny does come back and, and there, there's all reason to believe that he would now since it's already December 17th, well, that's just a significant, significant component looking forward to next year. So he was asked, you know, uh, about, the season and everything. And I followed up and asked Manny, I said, Hey, do you want to be a head coach again? And he said, yes, I want to be a head coach again. I also asked, um, is the silly season over with regards to his name coming up? He said he can't really control that. But then I asked, Hey, 
do you plan to be back at Penn State next year? And he, he basically said, yes, he expects to be back at Penn State. And he said, uh, he has an amazing job and it would take some other kind of amazing job for him to leave. Which gets me back to Florida Atlantic. I just, I'm surprised really that that was the job Manny Diaz was kind of linked the most to simply because look, I know he's, I know a lot of Florida ties there, but that's just not a good football program. I mean, they're five and seven this year. They're in the, they're in conference USA. I don't see a tremendously bright future for Florida Atlantic football. And so if, if I'm sitting here looking at Manny Diaz thinking, okay, just be patient. Be patient, wait for the right job to come open. I, I would think, you know, a, a nice high-level group of five or smaller-level power five uh, program would be interested in Manny Diaz at the right moment. You know, a Cincinnati, a Houston, you know, somebody like that, a, a program that you think has a really bright future and maybe could do something, a Memphis kind of thing or whatever, a, a program that has had success and he could go in and succeed there too. Florida Atlantic, come on, I, I just I just didn't see that. And so what it tells me is how desperate's not really the right word, how concerned was Manny Diaz with becoming a head coach again as quickly as possible and taking really anything there. So did he turn down Florida Atlantic? Did Florida Atlantic turn him down? You'd think maybe it's the latter. Because, you again, if he just truly badly wanted to get into head coaching no matter what, sure, you go to Florida Atlantic, you beat your head up against the wall for a few years, and then you're really, where are you on the head coaching track any longer? So I think whatever happened there, I think this is the best thing, not only for Penn State, but this is the best thing for Manny Diaz. If he can come back to Penn State for another year, have, have another great year with the defense, then maybe one of those bigger, more successful programs does come calling. Now, I was talking about this with some buddies on the Penn State beat the other day, and they said, well, hey, how, how appealing would Manny Diaz be for a lot of these jobs if he doesn't have any recruiting ties there? And hey, there is something to that. If his recruiting connections are, say, in Florida, it would make sense that he would want to get back to the Florida area, somewhere in Florida. So if you're Cincinnati, would you be interested in Manny Diaz if he has no connections there at all? Well, And that does make a lot of sense. So that very well could limit to a degree what kind of opportunities Manny gets here in the next year or two or what have you. But it also means, hey, he's got a terrific job at Penn State. He can stay put, do a great job with the defense, and then he's still getting paid from Miami from his buyout, so he's got money coming. Hey, there, there's a lot of things going on good for him that if he just stays patient, maybe that better opportunity comes along. And folks, for as long as that happens, as long as he can stay at Penn State, again, I just think he is such a game-changer on that defense. We heard the players talk all about him. This is not a great Penn State offense. It just wasn't. Penn State's 10 and 2 because they knew they could rely on their defense to do a whole lot of things. It was going to be really tough for pretty much everybody, again, except for Michigan, to do much of anything against that Penn State defense. If that's the case next year and Penn State's defense is outstanding while you turn things over to a, a, a first year quarterback, a starting quarterback in Drew Aller, 
How many advantages does that give that offense if they know the defense is going to play tough? Now, to counter and put the flip side on all this, you're losing Joey Porter Jr. You're losing Jair Brown. As I mentioned earlier, that's two outstanding players in the secondary that really give you a lot of things that you can do with everybody else on defense. So next year will be a challenge for Manny. No, don't, no question about it. You're losing a first round pick in Joey and a really good college player in Jair Brown. So, but man, that, that is the best news I can tell you about Penn State football that Manny Diaz is coming back. All right. Lots more to get to on the podcast day coming up in the second segment. How does the NIL work? I had a good discussion this week with Mark Wogenrich on my radio show in Altoona. But a lot of questions about NIL, where the money comes from, how the collectives work, uh, what Penn State's looking for in the portal this year, how NIL could impact all that. Really good detailed interview or or discussion I had with Mark Wogenrich from FanNation at SI.com. Stick around. That's coming up in the second segment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, I love talking about money, especially money in sports. It's fascinating because the disconnect between how much you, the sports fan, want to hear about money versus the reality of how much money makes everything go around, go round and round is enormous. I've done this for many years, especially in a in the pirates market. Trying to talk money with the pirate. You you don't care. None of you care. I, I, I've, I've told you for years. Every single freaking thing the pirates do. Every single decision without fail comes down to money. Every single decision. And you don't care. Just give me my players. I want to bitch about Bob Nutting. But you don't care about the ins and outs of it. Because nobody cares how the sausage is made. It'd be gross. You don't want to see how sausage is made. It'd be disgusting. You never eat sausage. 
So anyway, I've always found talking about money in sports to be fascinating because with what I do from a sports writer standpoint is I do completely understand how every single thing comes down to the money. But you as fans, you just want to see your players or get have your team get players or what have you. But how does it happen? How does all this work? Okay. So with that, welcome in my good friend Mark Wogenrich from Fan Nation at SI.com, covers Penn State football. Mark does a phenomenal job, better than any other Penn State beat writer, of staying on top of all of the NIL developments with regards to Penn State football. How you doing today, man? Everything well? Doing really well. Thanks, Corey. And thanks for that. You- the NIL fascinates me because, like you said, it's now come down to money and it's trickling down. It's going to get to high school soon, but yeah. <laughs> you write a lot of stories about NIL and you research how it all works. Here's what I want to pick your brain about because th- this is what's fascinating to me. Mark Wogenrich. My name is Dante Cephas. I'm a wide receiver. I'm transferring from Kent State. Everybody thinks I'm going to Penn State because he's from Pittsburgh. But I got an offer from Georgia. I got an offer from Notre Dame. I got an offer from Coach Prime out in Colorado. What can Penn State do for me, Mark? How how am I getting my money? How much are you going to pay me? Because yeah. I'm going to be getting money from all these. Uh, oh, but I'm a Pittsburgh guy, and Penn State's great, and and dominate the state. I'm just going to go to Pittsburgh or Penn State automatically, right? Well, am I? Ha, 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 where where's my money, Mark? How do I get my NIL money, and is there enough of it? All kinds of good questions in there. Yeah, and th- those are the questions that the people at the NIL collectives, funds, organizations. They're asking the same things, too. I sat down. I had a Zoom call uh, recently with the guys at Lions Legacy Club, and they're two very familiar names to Penn State fans, Chris Ganner and Mike Mowdy. They're the two guys who are running that that operation, and they basically said, we have to be really on top of this. We've got to get more aggressive in this because our concern is, one, you know, making sure there's money for the current players on this roster because two, we don't want them leaving for the transfer portal. And then three, who can we pick up and who can we help Penn State? I should say, who can we help Penn State pick up in the transfer portal? They had a call. Uh, they told me that they had a call with some with donors and they're pitching this new uh, partnership they have with a marketing agency that is going to the promises all kinds of you know wild marketing opportunities for players. And their pitch on this thing was, yeah, we're in a code red situation. We really need to increase the level of funding, the level of opportunity, and the level of engagement that we have with players, between players, fans, and and companies, business opportunities, that sort of thing, so we can draw players and we don't lose players. I think their issue is that they don't think – they don't they know right now they're not going to be competitive with, like, the real – Top end, crazy, out of market, out of pocket offers that you hear, and that might not even be true. The you know the high six figures, the seven figure deals, whatever they could be. You know, they, some of that stuff could just be for show. But they wait, they're they're say, lying and exaggerating some of these places. Well, yeah, I you know I <laughs> don't want to put words in people's mouth, but I'm going to guess that there's some uh, maybe enhancement. <laughs> And some of those numbers, as agents are wont to do, because agents are involved in this process. So, yes. 
laughingly or question there, but I, where Penn State is coming from is no. So we're probably not going to be offering that. That's not going to be our style. We're not going to be offering you seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to get out of the portal unless you know you are unless you're Caleb Williams that sort of thing. But we can't go empty-handed. We can. We have to be, have something. We have to have something to offer beyond hey, we're this close to beating Ohio State and being in the – we're nine minutes from being in the playoff this year. With you, we could be there next year. We, we're developing talent at a really – you know, at a huge – you know, developing NFL talent at a rapid rate. Look at, look at us last year. We won the Big Ten title in, uh, in draft picks. You know, we had a rough year, but we still had you know, a bunch of guys draft. Oh, there's plenty to sell. We're going to the Rose Bowl. I mean, exactly. uh, there, there's there's so much to sell. 2024, s- we're a playoff team. That's exactly right. On, yeah, with you on the – now, I think where they're also coming from is money absolutely ha- – NIL – I shouldn't say money. NIL opportunities absolutely have to be part of that equation. They don't have to be – they don't have to be high six figures. They don't got to be seven-figure deals over three years. Do they have but to be money? Be period. Is it? Is this have to be cash? Are we talking cars? Are we talking? Yeah. Um, what are we talking here? Yeah. You're, well, they're talking business opportunities. Now, the one thing that I was getting from these NIL from the collectives is that they're talking sponsorship, marketing opportunities. You just it's lost me. Just, I'm. Just, I'm. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. You literally just lost me okay. because I want cash. And, and and you're talking yeah, about a business can, opportunity. Sure, you make cash by endorsing products and and doing appearances for sponsors. I want cash. That's they offered me three hundred yeah. grand. I want cash. <clears throat> they offered you three hundred grand to do you know to to speak on behalf of a tractor company, uh, you know, a local, you know, yeah. a, a gasoline. You got to do something you know, for it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So that that's where they're going to be coming from. That we're going to offer you these opportunities. They're going to lead to cash. Absolutely. They're going to lead to cash. They're just, I think they're a step behind right now. But if you're, okay, and again, I'm, I'm going to keep bringing this this guy up. His name's Dante Cephas. He's probably the best wide receiver Penn State's going to get in the transfer portal. They, they kind of better get him because if they don't get him, I don't know who Penn State's throwing the ball to next year. Okay, so, but he's got an offer from Georgia. So you're going to tell that kid, we're going to be in the playoff in 2024. And Georgia's going to tell him, we just won two straight national titles. Right. And 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 maybe Georgia gives him cash, so that's where it's interesting to me. Is just that look, I'm not trying to come at this from a place that Penn State is, you know, out in Appalachia and has no shot. I mean, Penn State's a top ten program. Everything's going well. Things are going terrific right now. But in this world, in this world of keeping up with the Joneses. And again, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You completely lost me with business opportunity. That's not the <laughs> word I want to hear. I'm thinking back to blue chips with uh with right. you, you ever seen blue chips? I love blue chips, man. So movie, yeah. yeah. So Shaq, I think his wife, his Shaq mom got a car. Shaq got a car. Yeah. Penny Hardaway's mom got a house. Ricky, the Indiana boy, they delivered a they delivered a a, a a whole duffel bag worth of cash. I, I want my cash. And so that's where with limitless, which is Sean Clifford's NIL deal, with success with honor, with this one with Mike Maudie and Ganter, do they work together? How do they, Mark? I, I, I need, I need, I'm James Franklin. I need three hundred grand to get this guy. Who do I go to when I've got multiple entities to deal with? 
That's a really good question. And that's one they're really, they have to answer that internally. And I think that's one they're really kind of addressing internally because you've got competing forces. You've also got, um, you've got another guy, Michael Krenz, name's Michael Krenzman, and he runs an NIL collective called We Are. Rebranded it from Mitney Commonwealth, I think was the name. And he's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's offering catastrophic disability insurance. I think they've got four players signed up and paid for. They've paid for policies. Uh, four current players, uh, Brent Strange, Adise Isaac, and Caden Wallace, I know, are among them. They've been cleared to insure nine more. They're raising money to that, too. So James Franklin has all these elements, and they're all competing forces. And I know they're internally, I think they are they may prefer one over the other. So there are, you know, those are those elements, too. When you come back and say, I've got an offer from Georgia, though, that offer is from, if it's a $300,000 offer, it might be from an auto dealer who's going to give the parents a car, but the kid's got to go down to the auto dealer and sign some autographs and take some photos mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there is like, there's that business element that it, it can't be just straight out. Well, I mean, it's not supposed to be just straight out, but that you could definitely do that at Penn State too. There's, there's no stopping an auto dealership. There's no stopping, you know, um, Nicholas Singleton signed a deal with a kitchen like a kitchen uh, remodeler, kitchen remodeling company in Pennsylvania, and he does, you know, he just does some uh, like shoutouts and some marketing appearances, things like that, you know, for them. There's, you know, they have players who have agents. You know, Doralers uh, agency is CAA, is the same agency that represents James Franklin. So imagine, you know, did you like Entourage? I love that show, Entourage. Oh yeah, sure. So imagine James Franklin is walking into an a- his agency and he's going to see his Harry Gold and Drellers and you know going to see an agent down the hall that sort of thing. That's where we are with this. Mark Wogenrich from mm-hmm. Fan Nation at, at SI dot com. I just think the whole thing is very very fascinating. You mentioned earlier, we don't know for sure what these guys are getting. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, if I'm if I'm some player, hey, well, Georgia's offered me three hundred grand. They might have actually offered you seventy five. You know, right. I mean, who, who's to say mm-hmm. the checks and balances here? But they what, might, and they might have offered you three hundred thousand and paid you fifty. Yeah, exactly. And That's I right. Think, and that, and to me, I'm not drawing any parallels, you know, with any schools, but the schools that have a ton of kids in the portal might also have that issue. That's a, that's a very very good point because the more. The more you're dealing with, I mean, look. Not only not only are we talking portal guys, you, you, you're going to need something for the guys in your own program as well. And you got 85 scholarships, and so it can it all this stuff can, it adds up in a hurry. I wanted to ask you about um, just the the way these these nil things work. Is Limitless, which is Sean Clifford's company, is it a for profit company? Is he trying follow connect the dots with me here? Yep. Is he trying to sign as many clients as he can, just like Jerry Maguire, show me the money, so that can they get something out of it versus success with honor? Are they a for-profit company? Are they competing with each other? Or does Sean Clifford call success with honor and say, we'll get twenty grand for this receiver, you get twenty five, and we'll pull our resources to make it forty five? How does that work? That I don't know. That's a good question, and it would be smart that way. They are all for-profit agencies that have nonprofit elements, if this makes any sense. I know Success with Honor and Lions Legacy Club have 501c3s that you can donate to. You can make a contribution to the 501c3 arm, Mm -hmm. and that then um, 
that becomes yeah, that's a tax deductible charitable charitable donation. And then what uh, the way it was explained to me with success with honor with their 5013 element, if you donate to that, what that money will do is then fund players to do like charitable appearances to visit hospitals or, you know, make uh, nonprofit visits, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's how that money is going to get distributed. You can't donate directly to a player, things like that. So there's a lot of elements. There's a lot of complicated elements that go into the nonprofit element. But yeah, these are for-profit organizations. Success with Honor says, I think it was about 90% of their money is supposed to go to the players. 10% is overhead, administrative costs, that sort of thing. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's a company called Student Athlete NIL that kind of oversees a bunch of collectives. They oversee Success with Honor. They so they are working together to some degree. I mean, they're at least trying to pull pull this together, right? You would right? think it would be, yeah, it would. If you're working together on behalf of one entity, one football program, yeah, it would make sense to do that. You wouldn't want to necessarily uh, be competing forces. You would, yeah, you know, it, that wouldn't make sense. Especially if but we're you're talking. Still, but you're still making, you know, it's still a business. These, these are business enterprises. The NIL Collective, you know, this is a mushrooming business model. It's it, All this is so new. And, and again, Mark has done great work on this. You've written many stories about uh, all the ins and outs of the NIL, but it's still hard to know exactly how all of this sausage mm-hmm. is made. And, and we, we probably never will. You were the one, I'm pretty sure, after Ryan Day had mentioned the $13 million figure for roster management, you had asked James about $13 million. And this was in the summer, and James said, well, why wouldn't we need every bit as much? Is any is any of this realistic? Are, are we... Are we talking fantasy land here? That that's that's what I keep coming back to, man. Is we're we're talking about with all due respect to to all these people. This all sounds like nickel and dime stuff. If if I got if I'm James Franklin and I got to come to somebody tomorrow and say I need five hundred grand today, I don't. I mean, can Penn State do that? How many places could even do that? That's a great question, and I think it's very few and. The ones who can do it have absolutely no guarantee that they're going to be able to do it in the future. You know, we, how many coaches last year pretty much overtly suggested that Texas A&M NIL fund, yeah. you know, was huge and paid for the recruiting class. Yeah. Well, what you know, the return the, the return on investment for people who give money to NIL collective is not is not a business opportunity. They they want to win. That's their return on investment. They want that team to win. It's secondary to them whether they get they generate any revenue from a, you know a player endorsing their product or car dealership or whatever it is. So when Texas A&M then goes four and eight, does the you know that money is not in perpetuity. They lose that money. But so you I would think, think the counter to that yeah. is Penn State's ten and two. And we mm-hmm. think I think Penn State could has a chance to win the national championship in 2024. I honestly do if everything goes well. But by everything going well, that means they better damn well get a wide receiver or two out of the portal right now that's a number one guy and not a number two guy at Kent State on his own yeah. team who caught 48 passes. I mean, I Dante Cephas ain't ain't Parker Washington. Dante Cephas is certainly not Jahan Dotson. So we can throw these names out and these guys that they might get out of the portal. How, how are they going to fare against Ohio State and Michigan? That's That's really kind of what we're talking about here. I guess, I mean, just to throw an example about the fundraising element. So Success with Honor started a $2 million fundraising campaign in early December, and they've been updating their progress. 
after a week, they announced that they had, and this is this includes a one million dollar match from a donor. Mm-hmm. So he's going, the donor's going to match, you know, everything up to a million dollars. After a week, they had raised one hundred twenty thousand dollars, which includes sixty thousand dollars match. So their donors donated sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. There's an Oklahoma. There's a collective at Oklahoma. It's called Crimson and Cream. It's actually run by the same company, basically that runs Success with Honor, at least oversees their operations. They started a $3 million campaign in, it was like mid-November, that sort of thing. Their first day, and I was, they, they posted these numbers on their social media. So, I mean, this is from them. Take it with a grain their of salt. Their first day, they raised $150,000, mm-hmm. so $75,000 from donors. So one day, they raised more than Penn State did in a week. Crimson and Cream, that collective is now up to $1.6 million, mm-hmm. which is about $800,000 from donors. So that's... That's the difference in that sense. Now, that does not include necessarily, you know, the high, the big volume donors or somebody that you might not hear about giving a couple of million or a couple hundred thousand or whatever. But I think that's what Penn State is chasing. When you say, well, where are they going to go get the money from? Well, they need, you need a, a variety. You need that kind of crowdfunding. And then you need high impact high stakes donors too. Somebody's yeah. going to give several hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars like success with honor. God, you need big money. That's going to complement the subscription base. It, I mean, it's a big giant. You know, it's a big pile. We're crowdfunding now. You know, Penn State fans have to crowdfund their 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 players. And for some, I think you know, I bring up for a lot of people, they think well, I spend enough. You know, that's right. Tickets, it, my Nittany Line Club donation. Uh, it cost me a thousand dollars to go to a game. Essentially, you know, all in with you stay overnight. Every my friends, I got friends that have four tickets. It's they're they're yeah. seven grand. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. they're in for seven grand for the season. Hey, buddy, I appreciate it, man. If you want to uh, find out a whole lot more about all this stuff, nobody does a better uh, job covering all this stuff with regards to Penn State than Mark Wogenrich. It's at uh, fannation at si.com. We'll be talking about this for years because this is that we're in the infancy stages of this and. It's 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 just going to be fascinating to see how these numbers uh, fold out uh, over the years, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for it. Appreciate it. All right, great stuff there. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the third and final segment of our We Are podcast. Here. Hopefully you enjoyed that NIL discussion, my buddy Mark Wilgenrich. We have a, a lot of fun talking about a lot of different things. He's a frequent guest on my radio show. All right, I want to get back to a lot of the positives that are going on 
around the Penn State program right now. I'll ask you this a week before Christmas. What are you most optimistic about with regards to the Nittany Lions? When you sit back and think, hey, the program's going well right now, 10-2, and two, Rose Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Here's what we can look forward to, this, that, or the other. What are you most looking for? What do you, what do you talk about? with your friends and family who are Penn State fans. What are those discussions about? Are they about Drew Aller? Are they about, hey, James Franklin did a better job? Might they still be about, oh, I don't know if James Franklin can get it. I mean, who knows? What What do you discuss when you have your family around for Christmas and you're talking Penn State football? What are those discussions going to be about? So we think Penn State is in a really, really good spot. Should be pretty good next year. Could be great, I think, in 2024. And when I say great, I I make no bones about it. Maybe Penn State could win a national championship in 2024. Oh, come on now. It's been 30, what, 30... Six years since I had to do the quick math there. Thirty-six years since they won a national. They're out of win. Well, hey, maybe they'll have a shot if everything goes right. If I'm talking about Penn State football with people, this is what I come down to. Next year, you got Drew Aller as a first-year starter. You got Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen. You got a good defense. You got Manny Diaz. You got the tight ends. They need help at wide receiver. Clearly, we talked about that in the second segment. But hey. Have a nice year next year. Win nine games next year. Could they win 10? Who knows? Maybe. I think everything sets up for 2024. And so to me, the most optimistic, positive thing I can say about the future of Penn State football is, hey, what if Drew Aller really develops in that second year as a starter? What if Katron and, and Nick Singleton are back and, and superstars in, in 2024? That to me is the most optimistic thing to look forward to. Are there other elements as well sure recruiting is going well we've got signing day coming up this week Penn State's got uh, I think it last checked the number 12 or 13 class in the country depending on who you're looking at like 12 by 247 big week of recruiting last week they got three commitments uh, two one three-star guy one four-star guy and then one guy who was a a three-star and a four-star, three-star and a couple and four-star. So you can read all about that at DK Pittsburgh Sports. But and recruiting's going well. Top top 15 class, that's certainly very good. We've seen uh, these young guys coming in and contributing right away at Penn State. That's another thing to be very, very optimistic about. Abdul Carter, Kalen King, some of these guys that are coming in and as freshmen or sophomores really, really making huge contributions Abdul Carter looks like a, a potential superstar at linebacker. Kalen King was a third-team All-American by uh, one or two of the outlets, I believe, maybe pro football focus or what have you, but uh, 18 pass breakups among the best in the country. So you've got a lot of really young talent on defense. Then you've got Catron and Singleton on offense. you got Drew Aller on offense. So many optimistic and positive things to look for there. So again, when you're sitting around the the table with your family and friends for around Christmas or, or, or New Year's. What is it that you're talking about? Uh, and are there are there still criticisms or negatives that you're talking about? Again, there there is still the feeling out there, I think, from a whole lot of Penn State fans that James Franklin still isn't necessarily the great game day coach 
who can get over the hump and beat these top 10 teams in order to really, really achieve all of the ultimate goals. I was at Pat Kraft's press conference uh, uh, on Friday for Bowl Media Day, the new athletic director, and boy, he, he said it. He said, we're going to be elite, and we're going to win a national championship. <laughs> now, somebody pointed out in one of the comments, what do you expect him to say? What was he going to say, that we're not going to win it out? You know, so from that regard, sure, I guess that does come. But when you're the AD and you sit there and make a vow that we're going to be elite and we're going to win a national championship, now Pat Kraft has put himself in the exact same spot, raising the bar incredibly high, just as James Franklin did in 2018 when he promised to be elite after the loss of Ohio State. So the difference is, James Franklin can handle a lot of the football stuff, the personnel, the coaching coaching decisions and all that. Pat Kraft has put himself in a position to where now he even said, quote, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Well, who controls the money? Well, Pat Kraft. Who's going to have influence in the fundraising? Who's going to have influence in the spending? Well, that's Pat Kraft. So... When you are a leader, especially at the highest levels of things, and you make promises like that, it sounds really good on December 16th, 2022, when Pat Kraft says, we're going to be elite, we're going to win a national championship. But it's been 36 years. And and James Franklin really struggles coaching against top 10 teams. And so the good news is, this is something else I like talking about that I'll, I'll discuss with a lot of people over the over the holidays from a positive standpoint. Playoff expands to 12 teams in 2024. Penn State is going to be right there in the mix with all of them, you would think, every year. I think Penn State should make the playoff six, seven times a decade. And three or four of those times, you hope to win a couple games and maybe get into the top four, give yourself a legitimate shot. One, is James Franklin a good enough coach to do that when now you're playing top 10 teams in the playoff? But then two, this is the -the off-the-field stuff. Is Pat Kraft going to give the football program every single thing that it needs to be able to achieve that goal? That's that's the vow that we're going to hold Pat Kraft's feet to the fire on. We will look at James Franklin and say, hey, should you have ever said the made the elite promise? Because here we are. And yeah, they're 10 and 2 in the rows, but they're still not elite. They've got a ways to go to be elite. Here's Pat Kraft taking it a step further. We're going to win a national championship. Well, if you don't, you failed, right? I mean, if you're going to make that promise in year one of being an AD, you got a lot to live up to. You're setting the bar really, really high. But I'm sitting here telling you in 2024, if, if, if things work out, a gigantic if, that Drew Aller is as good as we say he is. Which, look folks, there is no guarantee. I have no idea how good Drew Aller is or is not. No idea. And you know what? Neither do you. Not a single one of you who has all the faith in the world that Drew Aller can be a superstar, you have nothing to base that on. You've never really seen him play meaningful snaps against a marquee opponent where it's all going to be on him. We can criticize Sean Clifford or any quarterback all we want, But until any quarterback steps in and proves he can handle it under fire against tremendous defensive players like Michigan and Ohio State have, hey, we have to question whether Drew Aller 
can indeed live up to the enormous potential. But if he does, and he's the highest rated quarterback we've seen at Penn State, uh, I mean, he's the number one quarterback recruit in the country, really highest rated QB we've seen at Penn State ever from that standpoint. 2024 is that year, the year you can kind of circle and say, hey, maybe this could be the year that it happens. Last thing I want to mention, I'm going to write about this too, is a whole, I was in the media room Friday, all these media members asking all these players about not opting out of the Rose Bowl, wanting to play. So everybody wrote this story. If you're a Penn State fan and you read a lot of stories, you've read or you've seen headlines from many, many outlets or in print or web or TV stations. Hey, it's different this year. Penn State's got players who aren't opting out of the Rose Bowl. Okay, that's true. But we got to talk about why also. But there are six players who opted out of the Outback. Well, yeah, the Outback Bowl is a middle-tier bowl game. The Rose Bowl is an elite-tier bowl game outside of the the playoff. So obviously players would want to play there. But here's the other thing. Penn State doesn't have a lot of guys that are high-round draft projections, okay? So there's no real benefit for them to opt out of a bowl game. You see what I'm saying? Parker Washington, he's injured. He can't play, period. So he's projected to be maybe like a third-round pick. It makes sense for Parker Washington to not play in the Rose Bowl if he thinks he's going to be a third-round pick. It absolutely makes but although he is injured, so it absolutely makes sense for Joey Porter Jr. not to play. He's a first-round pick. But Jair Brown, Jair Brown's a projected fourth-round pick. Fourth. I know he's a good college player. He gets a lot of attention. But Jair Brown shouldn't miss the Rose Bowl against Utah. It's a great opportunity for him to showcase himself. These other guys, Juice Scruggs, he is projected to be an undrafted free agent. P.J. Mustafer, undrafted free agent. Mitchell Tinsley, undrafted free agent. Theo Johnson, undrafted free agent. You get what I'm coming from. Penn State's draft-eligible players are not in the same boat as some of these guys were last year, like Jahan Dotson, even Brandon Smith, where they thought they were going to be pretty good round draft picks, and and why risk it in a middle-tier game like the Outback Bowl? I'll tell you what. If you had a whole bunch of first and second round projections on this Penn State team, my feeling is they would probably skip the Rose Bowl too. That's something that is interesting that I don't think a lot of other media members, they probably know this, but it makes for a good story, right? That, oh, it's the Rose Bowl. Everybody wants to play in the Rose Bowl. It's the granddaddy of them all. Sean Clifford said, why would you miss the Rose? Because it's the Rose Bowl. Well, Sean Clifford's not going to get drafted. If Sean Clifford were a projected first round pick, you think he's playing in the Rose Bowl? I mean, even the Rose Bowl, my guess would be no. Because, and, 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 and anybody of you out there that are saying, whoa, 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 Geiger, it's the Rose Bowl. Of course he'd play. Why? Why? You think if they go to the Rose Bowl in two years and Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are sitting there, you think they're going to play in the Rose Bowl? They'd be stupid to. Any running back would be stupid to play in a, a bowl game if they're going to be a first or second round pick. Maybe even a third round pick. It's just, it's just not smart. If you play a defensive position where you're going to be in turmoil an awful lot, lots of big hits, lots of crushing, no, you'd be dumb to even play in the Rose Bowl. But Jair Brown's one of those guys, projected fourth-round pick. If he goes out and plays great at the Rose Bowl, maybe he works his way to a third-round pick. If he doesn't play in the Rose Bowl, 
He can't help himself. I just wanted to throw that out there because I'm trying to be positive and optimistic about so many things, but I think there is a level of reality here. If you're Jahan Dotson, I don't think you're playing in the Rose Bowl. I mean, really, you, you're, again, you're projected first, second round pick. Why would he have played in the Rose Bowl this year? You, you just, there is a reality now that as much as some of you may hate this, even with the Rose Bowl, it's not worth the risk. If you're first round, first, second round projection, short of the college football playoff, which if you didn't play, then your character would be in question. And we may see that at some point down the road. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba is sitting out of the playoff for Ohio State. But guys, he's been hurt. He's had a hamstring all year. I think he's probably, but people are going to question his character. You're going to sit out on your team during a playoff. But I, I don't, and we may see that at some point. I just don't necessarily think that's the case with Jackson Smith and Jigba, their star wide receiver. At some point, though, we could see guys sitting, healthy guys sitting out of the playoff. But I, I just want to make sure to point out the fact that we're not talking about projected first, second, third rounders for Penn State opting into play just because the Rose Bowl is the greatest thing. These are guys that they're, they're questionable draft picks anyway. So. So I, I just wanted to mention because I don't think I don't think a lot of the stories I've read and questions I've heard that media media people asking these players that they've really hit on that potential or, or that uh, specific aspect of it. All right, folks, that's going to wrap things up for this week's We Are podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Hopefully, you've enjoyed all of our good topics and the discussion on NIL in the second segment. Leave us a comment here. Shoot me a text message or a Twitter message or whatever. Love. Uh, chatting with everybody. We, I am expecting to do one more of these next week for Christmas Eve. I was kind of debating, do we want to do a podcast for Christmas Eve? But the plan for now is that we will. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week.